Hey, everyone. Happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. I am starting it up. So uh, welcome, everyone, all of our guests. Thanks for uh, tuning in to a post, not post-COVID, we're going mid-COVID, Legacy Matters. This is a unique one. Our last show we had uh, Nerdy in, and that was was over the course of the summer. Um, That was a great show. Jim and Sarah were here. Uh, Jim is currently working on an art show that he... Uh, he's responsible for he he put that out over the last six months or so and it opens this weekend so it depends on when you're listening to this show but that would be I'm going to go with uh, September 18th I believe is the date that, that officially opens um, so if you're listening to this and you it's uh, before the end of October and you want to go check out James Holmberg's art show at the Coleman Prior Gallery you should, it's a great thing um, but Jim and Sarah are both off doing other things today, so I am bringing in a uh, guest host. We've got Kate Westfall, who is a uh, longtime friend of mine. We actually went to, I think, like junior high and high school together. We've known each other forever. We don't, uh, we, we haven't over the years been daily hangout type friends, but a few years ago she came and started working uh, at Kinetic Legacy with us on the Andalin app and those related products. And uh, welcome, Kate. Well, thank you. That is warm welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're super happy. So this is Kate's first show with us. She has listened to the show a bunch, and she's been in the studio when we've recorded them. So uh, it's exciting for me to, to bring you on. Yeah, it's exciting for me, too. Uh, usually I'm on the couch over there. no more putting kate on the couch yeah okay no put me in coach that's that's where we're at with it so here's kate uh and we have a guest so alberto you are our sort of second post-covid guest so welcome alberto Monserrati. glad to be here yeah um the you know we we did i just will acknowledge we did shut down in-person podcasting, which this show doesn't work if it's not in person. Sure. It's just the way it's laid out. You are sitting, if, if you could visualize this, if you're listening, we are sitting at a what is a kitchen table. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we get to know our guests through normal conversation. So that's what this is all about. So here you are. We're, we're firing them back up, and I'm excited to have you in here. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and uh, our relationship goes back, what, five, six years, something like that. Um, my former roommate, long story, uh, uh, Carmen Incaroca, her aunt, right? Miriam is her aunt. Marianne, yeah. Her uh, cousin, yeah. Cousin. Yeah. That's right. And uh, you are married? Um, we've been living together for... 20 some years yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> sounds good yeah um, which became a long debate with the immigration people in Peru when I told them the, they all because I you know they asked me are you married or single I said single and uh, but I was coming with 
with my girlfriend. So how long you've been with a girlfriend? Because um, I wanted to be technically correct because it was immigration. I usually call her my wife. Right. Yeah. And then uh, I said 20 years and then they brought everybody in. They started debating, you know, like uh, 20 years. I mean, I think you should get married. And is she around? Yes, she came over. It became a big, big debate. But yeah, we've been we've been together for 20 years. Yeah, fine. You know, the, things work out how people need them to work out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know you. I, I think you've only ever been introduced to me as a married couple, but I get it mm-hmm. now. You're 20 years together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. And uh, you at the time, I. I got to know you a few years back. We had a lot of political discussions. And we were mm-hmm. talking. You were, at the time, uh, head of the Minneapolis School Board, right? I was, yeah. I was chair of the Minneapolis School Board then. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, I'm still around. And still, you're st- still living. <laughs> still living. So, uh, what are you doing these days? Well, I run a public relations firm. Um, uh, communications, uh, strategic communications consulting. We uh, do a fair amount of community engagement, and so we do your typical public relations work. Our specialty is with multicultural communities, so you know, about 25% of Minnesota now is our people of color, close to uh, 10% are immigrants, according to the latest census. So we focus on that, uh, that 24, 25%, um, and, uh, but we do all kinds. You know, we're a full-service agency. Sure. Yeah, and, um, well, we'll just jump right into it then, because... Uh question I would have is like what what exactly how do we define exactly person of color like is that mm-hmm. a fair question I'm, I'm asking that as an innocent sort of oh, absolutely like, well and that, and that and that's there's there's not a completely clear answer but I think uh, you know technically we are talking about uh, uh, people from the black community uh, people uh, I think in, in Minnesota the, the groups that we uh, reach out to the most, and they're probably the largest are the um, Asian Pacific community and Minnesota uh, Hmong community being a really yeah, large part. A big population of Hmong. Yep. Yep. One of the one of the largest in in the in the country and in the world. Um, there's a very large Somali community, um, so that's kind of a category that we, you know, of, of people, cultural group that we uh, reach out to a lot. So. Uh, no, black, Asian, um, native, and then, uh, you know, Latin, Latinx community that can, you know, comes in a lot of races, but it's also uh, classified often as a community of color, too. So. Right. So they're, you know, we used to call minorities or yeah. uh, BIPOC communities now is, is kind of more in, and that's, you know, even controversial. But yeah, it's generally the people who are not in the dominant culture. Okay. Um, and, and not what we classically define as white, even though there's so much sort of ethnic right. diversity, even amongst what is white or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's, uh, that's a question similar to the one that I asked Kelly Holstein. I mentioned that she came mm-hmm. in, but like just, just making sure that it's hard for people to stay up with the sort of definitions of Absolutely. things. Yeah. Um, and even people who, you know, you might have a, you might have a motive behind not keeping up with it. You might not care. That's, mm-hmm. that's some people. But a lot of people, actually, they do. They just don't know as things are changing, like, how to keep that all straight. Mm-hmm. And there are reasons why the, in the language continues to, to change. I think that uh, as we learn more and more and we listen more and more uh, to people, 
um, being classified one way or another becomes uh, important. I know there were classifications 20 years ago that would sound bad today. There's classifications today that uh, uh, we, you know might have been offensive to some people years ago. But I think what we try to do is keep our ear to the ground and uh, listen to people and uh, try to keep up with, with uh, the latest terms that are being used uh, and keeping in mind, you know, being respectful of uh, people, being respectful of uh, how they want to be identified and uh, kind of learning more and more every day. And, you know, we're becoming, Minnesota's becoming very, uh, a lot more diverse. It's, it's less diverse than the rest of the country as a group, but it is a lot more diverse than it was. One of four Minnesotas would, would, would you know, be in that category of, of uh, uh, people of color or, or uh, BIPOC communities. And, uh, and uh, Minnesota has traditionally not uh, communicated well or served well. Uh, Minnesota has one of the biggest uh, disparities in the country yep. as far as people of color and white people. Uh, and uh, so I think uh, we're seeing more and more that people are, even if we are living in a very polarized environment, I think a lot of people who are in uh, positions of decision, you know, where they're decision makers are more and more interested in how do we communicate effectively, how can we be more inclusive, um, how can we um, work to make sure that's, I mean, Minnesota is a great place to live. It is. For it is. a lot of people, and it traditionally hasn't been such a good place for um for uh, people of color, and so how do we how do we work towards making that life experience for everybody in Minnesota as as positive? Yeah, yeah as it needs to be. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Kate, you and I grew up, you know, in Elk River, <laughs> the whitest of white places at the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, I I think that having cultural sensitivity or any sort back then, it it wasn't that. Like our group of friends, I would say we're very sensitive people, but like you're never exposed to anyone other than the other white kids that you're going to school with, right? I I would somewhat agree with that. I think part of our group of friends, um, there were a lot of Korean adopted among Mm. some of our high school friends. Um, I can think of three different families off the top of my head. Um, My husband was Korean adapted. Mm -hmm. So that was probably the culture that I got um, the most exposure to. Yeah. Early on. Yeah, I mean, there were there was Tracy Jacobs and his two brothers. There were no other it, black kids in our community. And yeah. mm-hmm. like I look now and my kids are are my eldest just started at Roosevelt. And I'm just really thankful that there is mm-hmm. a there is a different experience awaiting my children, one where Thankfully. Yeah, thankfully, where they're, you know, they're introduced to people of all different types, mm-hmm. which is great because we're all human and I need them to, it it makes me, well, and we're working with Bradley Harrington, like it's, it's such a great guy to work with and stuff. Yeah. And it just makes me, uh, I love to see that some of the sort of quiet injustices of the past are, are at least coming to light. I know it's painful and I know it, I know it you know, changes things for people and it, and not everybody wants to embrace all of this, but it's time. It's Minnesota is a nice place and it needs to just be better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we need, we need to make it more equitable for, um, for everybody who lives here. And I think that, um, 
I think kind of, you know, what people didn't want to speak for a long time was that there was a lot of privilege that people felt that were entitled to. Uh, so people got jobs. Um, they got, uh, you know, education advancement. They got to live in certain places. Um, and that was a lot, you know, people hired who they knew or they, you know, like you ask your friends, who do you know? And, and so a lot of people were being uh, left out. And I think that some of the, some of what we're seeing now, some of the backlash is as uh, more, you know, more and more people uh, of color having more and more opportunities. Um, some people are taking that as um, they're taking from me, right? Right. And it's, it's kind of like, but it's, that wasn't yours. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, you had this privilege, you had this advantage uh, for a long time, and now there's more opportunities for other people. So um, it, it is impossible to really have the best performance, the most qualified people, the, the, um, the, the best ideas if you're leaving a whole segment of the population yeah. aside and only a few people are constantly benefiting and, uh, and, and kind of giving you, you know, Reaping jobs the rewards like that, right? and all, yeah. So as um, you kind of have to force sometimes inclusiveness so that um, people who, have, who haven't had opportunities before have them, um, then, then you end up having you know, a situation where some people start resenting that. And I think that, you know, one of the things that um, I talked to a lot of folks about, I think a lot of people often confuse increasing diversity in hiring with uh, sometimes people put that in the same as like, wow, well, you know, we need to hire the more qualified people, right? We need yeah, to. Yeah, like it's a meritocracy. And so there is, there is, um, there are many, many ways to hire for both diversity and performance. Yeah. It's just that performance traditionally has been measured. I think that, you know, as, as a lot of the conversation now, you focus on outcomes. You know, you have a certain, certain outcomes for your organization, but how you get to those outcomes might not be, or how do you go through the criteria through evaluating them, or how do you go through the criteria for hiring people uh, might be outdated. Yeah. But there yeah. are ways to changing, you know, increasing diversity and, and performance. I was kind of intrigued a few years ago. I, I actually have a history before as an um, investment advisor, and I actually uh, trained in Wall Street. And uh, Wall Street was known as a very, very white, sure. waspy. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of uh, anti-Jewish uh, sentiment also in some of the top Wall Street firms. And I'm talking here, you know, 20 years ago, 20-some years ago that I went through uh, training there, and I was amazed how diverse it had gotten. You know, an industry that was, you know, about meritocracy, about making money, yeah. you know, yeah. that had traditionally left. But now, that you know, all of a sudden they start realizing that some of that talent <laughs> That's was in communities thing. that weren't yeah. uh, uh, included before and that they were performing really well. And so I was really struck, you know, that, uh, that uh, Wall Street in 2000 was not that Wall Street of 1980. Right, right. Because, you know, and I think that's something you're seeing, you know, in other places around the world, you know, you're seeing another, uh, you know. Well, I think the even the notion of not including, you know, a group for any reason, like, OK, so this group tests better on the tests that are written specifically to, mm -hmm. you know, hit the things that they know better. So you exclude everyone else. You're like you're missing out on all the creative talent and all the different ways mm -hmm. of thinking. Like like if you look at a group of kids, you should they're not all going to test the same, but does that mean that this one isn't creatively, you know, or, or intellectually capable of, of contributing or to superior. this? Or superior. Or superior. Yeah. I mean, like you're, it's, 
exclusion like that, you're also excluding all of the positive benefits that you could get out of just bringing everybody mm. into the same place. That's the way I see it. And I think that's one of the things, you know, one of the things I, I really enjoyed when I was in the Minneapolis School Board, I actually got to uh, meet a lot of students, uh, which traditionally wouldn't have been the role, right? You traditionally kind of sit at these boring meetings and, and, and make decisions and things like that. But I, I went to a lot of schools. Actually, Roosevelt was was one of the uh, schools I spent quite a bit of time in, Wellstone International, which was a high school that uh, uh, educated immigrant uh, students, uh, okay. students who had immigrated recently to the United States. And I spent a lot of time with, uh, with them. I actually got in, into mentorship, which made you know, people in the school very nervous. You know, why is the school board member spending so much time here? <laughs> right. I actually wanted to mentor uh, some of the students. And uh, you, know, you look at the test scores, and then you looked at, you know, some of the expectations that some of the adults in the school, and there were incredible uh, teachers and leaders yeah. and some of the most talented people I've ever met. But I think unconsciously, some of the expectations they had for, for, for the kids. And then, I'm, you know, all of a sudden I'm like talking to, you know, some kids who knew four languages. Right. You know, <laughs> right. You knew, and then, and uh, Somali and Arabic and, and French and Spanish, or, you know, some, some even Spanish and, and, and yeah. English. And, and had incredible dreams and ideas about what they wanted to accomplish, you know, when you dug in a little deeper. And uh, just, you know, they were incredible assets while the, the system is always talking to them about, you know, as, as deficits, as, as problems. Right. You know, like well, I'd often... score better on the test? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd often talk to, to uh, you know, people who are in decision-making uh, situations in education and they're like, well, you know, Things are changing here. We have a really, you know, we have a lot of, uh, you know, kids who don't speak English at, at, at home. And, you know, that, that are, you know I'm like, wow, you, you mean you have kids who speak several languages? You, you know, they're multilingual. And, and if we really do a good job here, we can make sure they're academically multilingual in three languages. And then. Yeah, and their brains are still. It's still like this is a problem and, and yeah. we need to help. And we need, yes, we need to, you know, we need to make things more equitable, right? And we need to find people where they're at. But I think there's incredible opportunities, right? We're living in a, in a global world where we're competing less and less. Yeah, we're, we're getting we're less all, and less competitive. Yeah. And here we have <laughs> lots of children here ready to, with incredibly multicultural uh, talents, you know, that, that uh, could do business anywhere in the world and have an advantage. And, and we're seeing them as problems. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you close your eyes to to what that diversity can get you. It's like this this conservative approach, like these are the kids I know, this is what they do, and you're just missing this whole pool, this whole talent pool of kids who like, yeah, but what if you wanted someone to bring you a different idea, mm -hmm. one, that, one that isn't strictly the way that we... With incredible, and I know that, uh, you know, from conversations, you know, we've had before, you've always been somebody who's very interested in learning about, you know, people's cultures and everything, and that's another thing, when you, once you get to know people, right? And you get to know their cultures and you get to know their religions and there's just a whole beautiful world out there yeah. of really exciting uh, and, and uh, you know, things to learn about, right? Just kind of see it that way instead of being afraid of them. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, you're saying the same thing. But it's like if you frame mm -hmm. it in the, in the terms of like, like, okay, so we've got 25%, you know, people of color or whatever. Well, like, what if we had 75%? Like, just mm -hmm. it... 
if you frame it in, oh my gosh, they're, they're changing our culture and this isn't going to work, you, you turn that around and say, oh my gosh, my culture is gaining so much from this, the inclusion mm -hmm. of these people into this world that we live in here. Our, you're just creating the future culture of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, from what I know, there's so many things that need to get fixed and there's so many problems that are still out there, but I think it's incrementally getting better, even though it's painful to watch it get better. I think it's incrementally getting better. I, I believe so. Uh, one of the things that concerns me about a lot of the polarized environment, oh. you know, people who are on one side or on another side of the polarized debate, there's, there's, there's one thing that I hear in common is things aren't getting better. You hear that from the if extreme the right, and you hear that from the extreme left sometimes. Totally. You know, you know, things are not getting better. And actually, things have been getting better for a long time. They have to get much better, right? There yeah. still needs a lot of improvement. But there has been a significant amount of progress uh, over the years that has to be acknowledged, right? Yeah. As we, because that also kind of motivates us to, you know, if we've gotten this far, then, you know, you know we're still maybe not even halfway there, but we, we are, you know, hey, this is worth pursuing because things can, can get better. So, yeah, I think, um, I think that's something that needs to be acknowledged. I'm an optimist, so I always mm -hmm. see that, things that way. Like, you know, I, this, I, this notion that, like, the world was a better place in the past. Like, yeah, I don't know. Was I mean, it? go go ask anyone who was gay or black or yeah. you know didn't fit in fifty years ago whether they'd live now or then. I think things are getting better. There's still just so much work to do and so much pain in the world that I you know I the more we can acknowledge the some of the traumas of the past and kind of work on on a brighter and better vision for the future, the better. Well, and anybody who thinks that those cultures don't exist is fooling themselves. They, they're there. We just need to be better about integrating them. Yeah. And why wouldn't you want to do that? Um, frankly, I think kids are a lot better at it. Kids are the best at it. Yeah, I, I think um, one of the arguments I've had with people who are concerned about multiculturalism that tend to come uh, from a more conservative uh, view is that they're worried about not being a, you know, kind of a, a uniting culture, right? I think that's that's what I hear, that, you know, there's going to be a lot of cultures in one. And the thing that makes the United States a little bit different is that um, I, I, I don't know an awful lot of people who live in the United States, no matter what cultural group they come from, that want to go somewhere else to live. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, most people are either, there's like either long lines of people trying to get in, and not a lot of people who are looking at immigrating uh, to other places to live permanently, right? right. Like I'm, I travel all the time. I spend as little time as I can actually in the U.S. <laughs> right. But I, this is my home base, you know. And uh, and everybody I, you know, everybody I meet around the world wants to come to the United States, right? So I think that that's one of the things that unites uh, people that, that that are in the U.S. There are many different cultures, and there are many ways of doing things. You know, like I've, there, you know. I often like to tell people your way is a good way of doing things, but there's other good ways of doing things, <laughs> right, right? right? There's other ways to do it. I don't have the easy. only good way to do it. So yeah. I think if we, you know, I think you, ha you generally have most people in this country believe in the country or the idea of the country. So we're not, you know, you don't have a situation where people are trying to divide the United States into different nations, right? Though it does a lot sort of, of feel like, like we may 
on the other hand, be headed toward a civil war or something because of how polarized things are right now, which is scary to me. And, you know, and that's more of a, yeah, that's more of an ideological thing, you yeah. know, and people because they're polarized politically. But I don't, you know, and, and I do think that maybe there is some, uh, maybe there are more white people who belong to one polarized group or one, you know, but it, it's, it's, it's not the different cultures that are doing it. And this is, you know, I, one, one of the things I try to do is, you know, I've, I've, I've actually... I've at one point belonged to both political uh, dominant parties, sure, yeah. right? So I, I, I was wrong at some point. It just happened. I, I'm kind of going, you know, the opposite way most people go. The older I get, the more liberal I get. But, but, uh, but uh, I, you know, I was wrong at some point. So I, I want to be respectful as much as possible of people who have different points of views. But I don't, I don't believe that, that it's, you know, people speaking different languages at home or eating different types of food or maybe in the workplace doing things differently as long as you're going to get to that outcome, right? right. But, but they have different ways of getting there. I don't think that's what's got us polarized. I think that the main reasons we're polarized, I think, I think social, you know, social media has, has separated us in silos. We only get to see what, you know, and talk to the people that we know, and then we get to be really loud and really outraged by the stuff we see. And then also I think there's just some, some people who really know how to you know, for political game, they Pull manipulate people, Yeah, right? And they know exactly, uh, and that's one of the concerns that I have is that, you know, a lot of people who are criticizing other countries <laughs> are looking at turning the U.S. into those other countries. Yeah, right. They're not taking a look back at what we're doing. And, and yeah, the, the political polarization is is separate, I think, from the rest of all of this. And I think there's, you know, God, that's, I shy away from even talking about it. That's because, like a whole nother podcast. Yeah, it's like a whole nother <laughs> thing. I My mm -hmm. son came home from school yesterday and I took him to baseball practice and we talked for 30 minutes about his uh, government class that he was taking or is taking. And he, he had done a survey yesterday. Mm -hmm. Do you think you're conservative or do you think you're liberal? You know, uh, and he, he answered questions kind of on both sides or looked at the two platforms as they stand currently and he's like yeah a little bit of this and a little bit of that but there's parts of that that I really can't stand and there's parts of this one that I really can't stand and I think that's politics wise that's the way like I don't think every conservative is wrong about everything that they do not not in the least and I don't think every liberal is 100% right about everything mm -hmm. they do I certainly find I find I can I can take parts of either one and agree with it but generally speaking, the you know, going back to the, to the issue of race and politics, one of the th trends I think we're going to see more and more in the next few years that you're starting to see is that people are going to start aligning themselves politically less and less by race and culture and more and more by their education level, where they live in the country, what they eat and what they what kind of job do you work with your hands or do you uh, have a professional job? I think things are really starting to align more and more that way. Um, is, is, and that, are things it's not get there better? yet, but I think it's going to... Hmm? Are things going to get better? <laughs> On the politics front, like, can we go through a few years where we're... Can, where you, can it get worse? Maybe. Oh, oh I can. I, yeah. yeah. It definitely it can, can get worse. Yeah. I'm also I, an I unfortunately think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Okay. I think it will get better at some point, but I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I don't think we've seen... I don't think this country's seen enough adversity from the, pol from the polarization, even if it sounds like we have 
to get to the level where it has to start changing. And it can get much worse, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure it can. I, 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 I look forward to the day where you don't just stake out a position and then throw rocks at the other side the whole time. Because like, that just isn't sustainable. It's no, not going to work. And, and it's really... And it nev- that never ends well anywhere. No, it's no. detrimental to all of us. And, you know, I, I think, you know, exploring the reasons behind why someone thinks differently than you and sort of figuring out like, oh, that, I, I get what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, I get it. And I would maybe take a different stance or a different look at it and, you know, whatever. I think that's important and we do so little of that. Well, I think that goes back to where you had said listening it's important to listen and if you're not listening to what the other side has to say how are you going to empower yourself to make a better decision yeah well somehow or other we've spent the first half of this show because we're there we spent the first half of the <laughs> show doing what like uh, we normally I'm sure we lost some listeners no one likes politics these days I think it's important that we talk about this stuff and I'm happy to have you in here and really that re- was the result of answering just a couple of simple questions about where you're at and what your company does right and uh, you know for what it's worth I think we're all happy to see uh, to embrace the more multiculturalism that's going on in, in our state and I, I hope it continues but Let's take a let's take a quick break. We'll regroup and we'll come back and we'll talk about your life and more fun things, perhaps. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Hello, everyone. Ooh, look at that! Uh, you've made it to our little break in the middle. I want to thank you for listening to our show over the past many years. Um, after one hundred plus shows, a load of awesome guests and lots of changes in our personal lives and our world in general, we're back. At the same time, uh, we will be changing things up around here. Jim and Sarah are both pursuing new adventures, uh, but they hope to join from time to time. Other than that, expect the same level of quality entertainment and senseless BS you've grown to appreciate over the years. Uh, Thanks for sticking with us and uh, for all the wonderful feedback and encouraging comments you've left us. They are very much appreciated. If you want to communicate with us directly, or you are interested in being on the show, or know someone who should be on it, or you just want to say hello, you can email us at info at LegacyMattersPodcast.com. Thanks again. If you haven't checked out the Andalin app yet, you really should. Andalin 1.0 will be turning three soon, and we are working hard to bring improvements to the entire experience. Andalin is a -a one-of-a-kind digital scrapbooking tool, a place to share and store your family's memories. If you want to tell the story of the family cabin and save it for generations to come, or you want to preserve the history of your favorite heirlooms, or maybe you want the whole family to help you by sharing their photos, videos, and personal stories about the places and objects you love, well, then you should check out Andalin, available, of course, in both the Apple and Google Play stores. Construction was expensive and confusing before COVID. Now it's just that much more difficult to make sense of. Get in touch with me, Sam Devine, for help with questions about your projects. You can reach me through kineticmn.com. I'm happy to consult on all manner of projects. I'm here to help alleviate anxiety and to give you the best advice I can from my nearly 20 years in the industry. 
Again, that's kineticmn.com. All right, we're, we're back with a um, fun-filled, I'm sure, fun-filled second half. Uh, let's just jump right in. Uh, Alberto, where are you from? From Puerto Rico. Okay. So you were, you were born in Puerto Rico? I was not, actually. My dad was going to school in uh, Vermont, okay. uh, so I was born there, and then, uh, but grew up in Puerto Rico. Okay. And uh, do you do you remember Vermont in your youth? Or no, you moved spent two quickly? weeks there. Okay, two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was born in Portland and, and moved, you know, in infancy. Uh-huh. So it's like, yeah, no, I was born in Portland, but yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm from Minnesota, mm-hmm. so I get it. Um, and and you, when did you start your time in the United States? Um, in, the, in the mainland United States. Uh, Puerto Rico is, is, is a territory, but uh, I moved oh, yeah. in uh, yeah, 19... No, that's, <laughs> no, no, that's, that's no, no, good. No, that was a faux pas on my part. I know no, that. I just, I just, uh, <laughs> Very like to, fair. Not, you know, most people don't know much about Puerto Rico, so I always like to, I always like to, to talk well, about Puerto Rico. Here's an opportunity to correct but, uh, like No, that. I moved here uh, when I was 18 to Minnesota, uh, directly from Puerto Rico, and uh, to go to the U of M. Okay. Yes, I'm a gopher, and, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I moved asset. in... Uh, 84, 1984 to, okay. to, to Minneapolis and haven't looked back. Oh, yeah. Ever since, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know anybody here when you got here? I had an aunt that lived here who moved uh, pretty soon after. But, okay. yeah, that, that was it. And, yeah. Uh, we always, um, Puerto Rico, we, we always, when we move, we move to where an aunt or an uncle lives. Usually. Oh, so <laughs> sure. I had an uncle in uh, Massachusetts and I had an, an aunt here. Yeah. Oh, you made the right choice. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I came here. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and you've been here ever since. Like, uh, but, you, but your childhood memories are all of Puerto Rico then? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And uh, like, what, was, what was life like in, in Puerto Rico as a, as a kid? Well, um, life in Puerto Rico is very much around... Uh, I remember a lot of beaches, you know, it, it, it was, and I, and I was obsessed with the beach. Uh, and I actually, my teenage years, I spent most of my time, even school days, you know, we actually went to school that was across the street from a beach and we used to sneak out and, you know, surfboards were hidden and, (laughs) and then we go. So that, that is something I remember, um, a lot from, so there's a lot of really good memories I have from Puerto Rico, uh, growing up. It's a beautiful place. There's also, you know, unfortunately, another side where there was, um, um, it was a violent time. The, the 80s, when, when I grew up, uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, cocaine trade that was ha- coming from Puerto Rico. So the, you know, we, people seen all, you know, seen all the movies, you know, we, uh, if, for, through Miami, the through Miami Vice, the yeah. whole, you know, Miami Vice <laughs> and all that, or through yeah. Mexico, you know, all that. Yeah. And uh, so Puerto Rico actually was a route where... Um, Drugs would come from South America. They would drop them from airplanes. They would get picked up in the beaches. And then there was a kind of a war inside of Puerto Rico from uh, people who picked it up until to get it into the U.S. Since you were in a U.S. territory, it was, there was all kinds of ways uh, that were a little easier to get from Puerto Rico to, main, to, to the mainland. Oh, sure. So, so, there was, so there was this growing up between uh, beautiful beautiful sceneries and unfortunately gunshots. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, you know, so at it night. Was so like it was very much uh, kind of a combination of both. Yeah, great place to live in, but also you had to be a little bit careful. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, the drug trade will do that to a place, won't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, at the at the end of the drug trade up in Minnesota or in, you know, somewhere like that, it's pretty relatively calm. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but a lot of a lot of stuff, ha- I, mm-hmm. you know, drugs are obviously mighty, mighty destructive. Uh, yeah. So so you moved here. You've uh, you've made a life for yourself here and mm-hmm. uh, and you've. I mean, you got elected to the school board, you run a company, like what, what communities in town, like, cause Marion is, uh, I never, I can't say her name quite correctly. Uh, she's Peruvian though. She's from Peru. Yeah. Yeah. So are you connected in with the Peruvian American community in town too? Or we just actually met, uh, you know, the, there, since back then the Latino community wasn't very big, we all kind of hung out, hung out together. So we had, you know, <laughs> it's a small community. you know, we went to the same concerts. We went to the same places where they played music. Uh, we actually worked, uh, she worked at the newspaper, uh, Spanish newspaper that we bought actually. And so that's, that's how we met. Yeah. Uh, some 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, what, uh, what do you, what do you do to relax? What do you do for fun these days around town? Well, I, or do you relax? My, well, (laughs) (laughs) I stay, I stay very active and I like staying very active. Uh, but I actually, my biggest relaxation is traveling. I mean, I love to travel and I travel very often. Actually, through the pandemic, um, I went to Mexico. I spent five months in Peru, uh, where I distance worked from from Ollantaytambo, Peru, up in the up in the mountains. Wow. A terrible uh, place, I'm sure. Right? <laughs> like it, it was the mo- it, it was amazing. That's where you know most tourists around the world go to go to uh, Machu Picchu. They take the train yeah. to go to Machu Picchu. And uh, there was no tourists because of the pandemic. So I got this whole beautiful Inca town, uh, you know, pretty to much yourself. for ourselves. Yeah. And I uh, got to distance work. I mean, I got to, you know, during the day, I'd be speaking in English in the, you know, on my laptop and, yeah, well, you know, I mean, Zoom and everything. And it was, you know, everything. And then I would go walk through Inca ruins uh, in the <laughs> <Wow>. evening <laughs> or in, on the weekends. Dumb. So so we it's, all stayed here. It was <laughs> cold here. But I—that's I, why I do my, my relaxing. I, you know, we, we we travel a lot, and then I'm kind of a you know, become a bit of a Netflix addict, and kind of <laughs> relax doing all. that, and <laughs> like to go you know out eat and you know have a few drinks and things yeah. like that. Just yeah, the regular stuff. Um, and are they is is that the same time zone then? Or are they like there was an hour difference um, in Peru time. during right. the winter, yeah. So uh, which was kind of nice because I could you know wake up a little later, um, yeah. So, yeah. And only one hour—that's not just one hour. Difference. Yeah, that's yeah. really not mm-hmm. difficult to deal with. I mean, that would be sort of ideal, wouldn't it? To go, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You shake your head like yes, it was ideal. Uh, yeah, to go work from a distance in the mountains in Peru, like I, you know, I've never been i saw carmen mm-hmm. just a few weeks ago and that's what kind of touched this off i'm like oh yeah let's get alberto in um yeah that uh peruvian community seems pretty tight to me or at least absolutely her, yeah. yeah yeah and a lot of fun like I, absolutely you know it's a it's a very fun culture they have 
literally centuries, you know, of, of uh, an incredible culture, incredible food. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that's yeah. No, that's uh, travel every 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 chance I have. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you do you do do you get to travel anymore? Like, have you traveled, Kate, at all during all of this, or no? No, I. Since the pandemic began, I haven't even been to Wisconsin. I don't think. <laughs> right. Yeah. I. Uh, but before that, I I did enjoy traveling. Um, in the United States, um, been to Europe, Mexico, mm-hmm. quite a few pla- quite a few islands in the Caribbean, which is was my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. We started our journey in Puerto Rico and mm-hmm. ended our journey there and. Yeah, I would definitely like to go back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was really interesting traveling during the pandemic. I mean, you have to, have, I mean, the restrictions in other parts of the world are a lot, were actually a lot uh, stricter than they were here. Did um, you have quarantine? I had a quarantine in Peru. They tracked me uh, for quite a while. Um, masks were not a question when you... Uh, when you were walking around, there was curfews. They were enforced by people in the military. Very you know. serious. So they took it very seriously. Um, and uh, but at the same time, you know, um, it was really interesting being in these these places where people, you know, travel from all over the world to get there, and just to kind of have that for your for yourself too. And being in the mountains, it wasn't quite as restrictive as in other parts. Sure. But the whole, uh, you know, we, we actually found a window to come in because the borders were closed right before we went into Peru. And then we were actually going to come sooner than we, th- you know, than we ended up, you know, coming because the borders were closed again. And then, and then there was um, all kinds of restrictions and it was kind of complicated to travel from where we were to other places. So it was kind of a, it was quite the adventure. I think it was, it was something that's, if you take all the right precautions and everything, um, something I would recommend. So when you left for Peru, did you mean to stay five months or did that just I kind did of not, come actually upon me- you because of all the restrictions? <laughs> Good question. Uh, I, I intended to be there for two months okay. and it turned into five. So. Wow. Were you just not allowed back because of it was, that kind of stuff? It, it was a combination of, at first it was that, the, the question of the borders. Then, it, then they got uh, restrictions to come into the U.S. that you had to kind of navigate because the testing wasn't quite as easy. You, you needed, you know, when they announced that you had to be tested to come in here. So we kind of had to figure out some of those logistics. And then, but it also became kind of comfortable, right? It's like, you know, I, I'm like, you know, I run a business. How long can I get away with? <laughs> but everybody was on Zoom anyways, yeah, right? right? So it was kind of like, you know, I, I was kind of, you know, one day I was like, when we were thinking about going and I was doing all the research and, I hadn't met a, a client in person for, you know, five months. I've met, you know, we have a team of 15 people. I'd maybe met with three of them in person. It's <laughs> right. like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then you just, just, just take a lot of precautions when you travel. I mean, we, you know, and, and they, they require there to wear not, we wore double masks and a shield. Wow. Uh, so it was, you know, we were careful. Definitely yeah. careful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's, uh, it's, it's there's something about the way Americans can, you know it's always everything American is sort of American centric right we don't we don't necessarily look to the rest of the world and say like oh this is what's going on there but like yeah I mean they've taken this very seriously everywhere countries have been shut down there's mask mandates mm-hmm. there's all these curfews and stuff and and we like we have this 
you know, don't tread on my rights kind of thing. But it's like, well, this is a global issue. Right. And it's been a global issue. I, I think it's even easy to sort of forget uh, how much we've gone through just here in that mm-hmm. this last year and a half. Even having you in feels like, oh, my gosh, we can start to process, yeah. take time to process the fact that it's been so weird. Yeah. I went out and had a beer with a friend just last night. And it's not like I haven't had a few beers at a few bars, very few in a year and a half. So just sitting there with someone at a picnic table outside mm-hmm. enjoying a beer felt like a real luxury. But I've always been an introvert, um, although I, you know, I ran for office. I, I'm in public relations, yeah, so I've had to, I've had to kind of force ex- being an extrovert. Uh, but uh, I thought uh, at first I was like, oh, this is great. You know, like I don't have to leave the house. And but I realized uh, after a while how social I, I was, like how much I missed, you know, yeah. hanging out with people and being in public places and things like that. So having getting to start doing that more and more. When I get, came back from Peru, only four percent of the population had been vaccinated. Where here in uh, in Minnesota, at least most people that I knew had already been vaccinated, and people were already taking their masks off. So it was kind of like I got off the plane after having worn a, sh- a face shield and double mask, and it was kind of like, you know, getting out of that plane and 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 like, oh my God, you know, like I'm in a different world here. <laughs> yeah. People actually yeah, don't totally. have masks yeah. on, and and people are going to, to places again, and they're getting, you know, you know, I got to meet with person, you know, people in person again. So that was, I think that's a that's a human need. Yeah, I I think so, too. I mean, you don't have to be an extrovert to just Mm -hmm. thrive off of the energy of being around people, too. You know, even just sitting in a public space where other people are milling about Mm -hmm. and doing things. We're a pack animal. Yeah. We're not meant to be isolated. And I'm sorry, but I did the I did the Zoom parties and I did things like this through zoom it's not it's it, the worst it party didn't work. now that's why we quit. <laughs> that's why we quit doing this it's hard enough to sit yeah. and, and like figure out how to socialize in person let alone to have all of the trouble of zoom and it's like you're talking over each other and things aren't working and you're mm. glitching and yeah i went to a few zoom parties too and mm. like the first one or two i was like oh my god it's so nice to see you yeah, this yeah, is yeah. great the I, yeah then right. after three or four it's like oh my god this is yeah I, this, this is this isn't the same i'm going back to my <laughs> I'm garage not gonna, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting by myself in my yeah, garage yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't need anyone i'm fine <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be fine yeah it was a fucking fucking hard year it really yeah. and yeah. and everybody has had to deal with that in in whatever way they're having to deal with it and we're still going through it all so yeah yeah i bet you uh faked a lot of people out with your sweet zoom background like oh how'd you get oh oh you're really in peru (laughs) you know i actually um (laughs) good point i did not tell a lot of people at the beginning i had this little game that i was playing how long will it take them to find out yeah Right. And I'd still put the, the backgrounds. I mean, I, I literally had one background, which was actually Inca ruins in the yeah. back. <laughs> Ancient Inca ruins, you know, and, and you know, with, this, with these mountains that, you know, usually appear in pictures. Yeah. Um, and you're like, joke's on you, I'm actually yeah, here. Like, and and then like after that? a while, there was one person who was really smart, who had done a lot of traveling, who once, he said, he was looking at my background, and he saw that, uh, you know, where you plug the, you know, electricity, yeah, was very different. It's like yeah. you're not in the U.S., are you? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you got me. Right. And then slowly I start. But I also wanted to find out 
you know, with people I work with, with clients and everything is, you know, is this really going to make a difference? Like we've been interacting for several months. Are you going to be able to tell or not that I am? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I slowly and I mean, started telling people and, and they were all like, God, I wish I was doing that too. Yeah. yeah. But then I also started talking, I'm like, I started talking to somebody, I'd been talking to them several weeks and we'd had several meetings and it turned out that I was in Peru and they were in Rome. Yeah. yeah, and they were both yeah. from Minnesota and lived yeah. in Minnesota. So <laughs> well, yeah, there was a little bit of that going on, right? Representing <laughs> Minnesota. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm in Minnesota. Are you in Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it turned out neither one. Yeah, really fine. <laughs> Cat's out of the bag on this one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, boy, wouldn't that have been nice to have a job where you could just do that? You, now, you're, I mean, it's your company, right? Or you right. founded it, own it? Our partner. Yeah, I, I uh, own half of it. My uh, my uh, business partner and co-founder is uh, Melissa Lopez Franzen, uh, who started the company together. She actually uh, just got elected uh, uh, minority leader in the Minnesota Senate. Oh, great! She's been representing Diana for several years. So this is kind of her day job, and the Senate is her night job. Or may, well, maybe now the other way around. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> Senate is not a day job, and, but yeah, no, we co-founded the company together uh, seven years ago. And, and again, what company is that? What's the name? It's called New Publica. New Publica. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, you, do you do much on the with the media stuff anymore, or or more public relations? Most uh, most of the media stuff I do is actually interacting with media and uh, doing media relations uh, on behalf of clients. But we do have a media component. Um, we still have uh, Spanish media, which you know for. 13 years, I ran a Latino media company. We're both in print and radio. Yeah, and what was that called? That was Latino Communications Network. Okay. And that's still, a, you know, it's a division. We bought, um, you know, the paper. We closed down the radio station. Well, sold out the radio station. And uh, um, so we do, you know, media is a passion. And I think ethnic media is really important. I think it, yeah. it's, it's, it gauges, you know, what's happening in communities. And it gives messages in a way. It's not something we really make money on. Right. But it does help us get messages out. Common, um, common theme in media. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, We're all trying to figure out like, this. No, it actually yeah, makes money. But no. we don't lose money on it either, right? And I have several employees there. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking, as, as you know, we're constantly trying to innovate and doing new things in media. We have a, a newsletter that we get out every week that is geared towards um, uh, young people of color, young BIPOC uh, people. Uh, it's it's led by them. I'm not allowed to have any decision making on, on the content that goes out, and it's very activist and very. And what's that's kind the, of fun? To, what does a newsletter even look like these days? Like, is, <laughs> <laughs> cause is it an email newsletter? Is yeah, it's a, a, it's a an email newspaper called New Prensa. A, a lot of uh, a lot of people access it through social media, through either you know Instagram by going through the bio or by you know Facebook or sure or uh, Twitter. And uh, we basically, our team compiles local, national, and international news that is interesting to uh, young BIPOC people. And a lot of it around all the activism that young people are going through nowadays. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, there's a component of that in what we do. So it's interesting Mm -hmm. to hear me say that. I, I, I mean, I, just to put that on for a second, like the Mm -hmm. digital side of things, I think like it's we're having to figure out different ways to engage younger communities because mm-hmm. there's they're not going to you can't pass out print newsletters anymore and you can't just send an email it doesn't no. it doesn't get to the right audience. no and i think this is something a lot of people who want to communicate to younger audiences are struggling more and more uh, with that younger people are spending more and more time 
on media that doesn't have you know advertising and it's you know they don't have the traditional ways of, of reaching so uh, you know for reaching um, for reaching people people are having to get really really creative I know I've worked on a number of political campaigns and and uh, when it came to youth it was like you know the younger voters like mm, good you luck know, there's right? social media and that and they're tuning off more and more rightly from social so media. social yeah. media yeah. sucks mm-hmm. I mean I yeah. I, I'm still a user of it and everything, but the mm-hmm. second I can find an alternative and get off of it entirely, mm-hmm. I will. You know, they, like Facebook, I only keep mm-hmm. that around so my family can watch my mm-hmm. kids grow up a little bit. But I feel exploited all, every time I'm on there. Research tells that we all spend more time on it than we say we do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think more. I think most of us are spending less and less time posting on it. Yeah. And uh, and I think a lot of young. I mean, I, I I used to think you know hire a bunch of young people to kind of manage the social media. I had to train all of them because they, you know, most of them didn't even want to have. Uh, I deleted or my many account. of them didn't have, didn't want to have anymore. Yeah, so. she's off. My kids won't touch mm-hmm. Facebook, yeah. like, and they they shouldn't. But uh, I polled my kids on that. Like, what are mm-hmm. what are your friends in school using? And they're like. Discord, yep. Snapchat, <laughs> yep. uh, Reddit was like the most popular because they can create their own channel in there or whatever. Twitch and is another one that comes up a lot. Twitch, yeah. yep. Facebook, whole worlds that zero. I know nothing about. Yeah, <laughs> and I let I let the younger members of our team manage all that stuff because I, I think they, they the more and more they use stuff that we don't even know exists. I mean, it, yeah. yeah, it started with uh, um, Snapchat, right? Right. Yeah. Like none of us over. 30 could figure out what yeah. the hell chat, Snapchat was about. No, yeah, and, and they were like, great, time? you know, because <laughs> Facebook, that's where my mom is, my grandpa, my great-grandma now joined <laughs> Facebook too. No, I'm going to... Right, uh, like I want to be there with all those then, old people. Yeah. Yeah. And then they keep going to more, you know, more and more uh, platforms. And and uh, yeah, it's, it's getting harder and harder to reach. I can't even, I, I mean, I can't figure out Twitter, which I don't know who that's made for, but like I still... Like, it's for uh, reporters and politicians, it turns out. That's it, it like, right? <laughs> yeah. Not, not exclusively but that that really is every politician and every reporter I know spend half their day on Twitter yeah so like <laughs> and nobody else does yeah, but, yeah. that's another thing <laughs> like Facebook <laughs> turned into my like older people's platform to me yeah. like let's let's argue about politics and stuff like that all day and, and there's some other stuff going on there but it's such a confusing mess these days I'm just mm-hmm. like and it's becoming the place where our parents stalk us yeah <laughs> yeah. oh, wow! I started having to be very careful with I posted on Facebook because my mom was, was constantly looking at it through. She got an iPad and, and she finally oh, figured wow. out how to get to um, Facebook on I iPad. I said something and, that sounded... <laughs> Me too. Yeah. S- same story right here. She, my mom retired and, be, and her new profession became Facebook stock. And then I quit. <laughs> I'm really worried. You know, she come to me. I'm really worried about your daughter. Some of the things she's been putting on right? Facebook. And I'm like, Mom, it's a joke. Yeah. It's, it's not, don't worry about it. Yeah. I said something sarcastic, <laughs> and my mom called me like 15 minutes yeah. later. She's like, I just need to know you're okay. Like, yeah. yeah. Mom, mom, I love you. I'm totally fine. I was joking. Yeah. 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 yeah and, and Twitter. So, like, you know, LinkedIn. LinkedIn was interesting to me for the first few years, and now it's just like straight marketing all the time. Yeah. And that's the, th- I, I, have, I have our time because I have to be, because it's one of the ways to communicate. But, um, you know, owning a business or being in a, in a position where you can be marketed at, that's what it's become. Cold yeah. call after cold call after cold call after cold call. Yeah. 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 And, and mm-hmm. so Facebook's a jumbled mess of BS with, and, uh, you know, it's still, interests people but i don't want to watch i don't want to get sucked into watching 45 minutes of videos of crap that i don't need to look at like what's getting really interesting though is podcasts 
Yeah, podcasts. <laughs> not really. <laughs> no, no, they are. No, they they are actually that. I'm, all my all I'm my all the young people I know, all, you know my both my kids who are in their twenties and and uh, all, they're all listening to podcasts. It's true. Podcast I've never heard of, but the the problem, you know, I, I'm I actually it's, it is true. There's a there's I think room out in the market for more and more podcasts because they they're you know they're they hearken back to the old days of radio, really, mm-hmm. yeah. where you sat and talked more. And for me, public radio is like that's what I listen to. So like you know, too. so NPR like like the kids want to listen to a bunch of old people talk about right, stuff. Right. You know, that's boring as heck. Mm-hmm. But podcasts offer an alternative to that that is like conversational, so you can kind of have it on. So I agree, but the the deal with podcasts is that the the way the system is set up, it's it's so difficult for anyone to get paid to do a podcast that it doesn't. The way the system is set up, it doesn't support the people who are creating interesting content that doesn't have a huge audience. If it's not mm-hmm. highly commercialized, you know, highly yeah. out there to be sold, then good luck. You're never gonna. Yeah, the, the whole. Uh financial sustainability of of valuable media yeah is becoming more and more challenging i mean it is interesting on one end you know to hear young people you know listen to podcasts and i you know i traveled recently with my son to colorado we did a a road trip and i listened he had me listen to several of them they were not very you know that produced you know i came from a world where everything was produced second oh no they don't have to to do that they were but but they had millions of followers but there there's you know, to get to get a national audience nowadays and to get to get the revenue you can get to sustain it is, is, is more and more challenging. And one of the but the interesting thing is I'm seeing more and more uh, interest in philanthropy yep. uh, as a model to support um, media that's important. So that's maybe a way to get away from that over-reliance in advertising, which nobody really liked anyways. No, I mean, I, I think that people are figuring out creative <laughs> ways to make it work a little better mm-hmm. you know and patreon and those types of things are one way to do that mm-hmm. um i think there again it gets a little weird because you want to you like you got to give five bucks to each one or whatever mm-hmm. i it it seems to me like like we should be as listeners should be supporting them but that you maybe should give a quarter a month or something mm-hmm. you know and get a million people to give you a quarter a month rather than 50 people to give you five bucks a month or whatever but anyway sure. that's that's just a a very side note but yeah i mean i i think we haven't yet uh finished innovating that's for sure have we as a no as a you know the human race is not finished i think there's more and more interest i mean it's interesting because you compare the amount of media that's out there compared to 20 30 years ago uh, when we were younger there's a lot more there's a lot more selection there's a lot more power about what you you know what you consume at whatever time you want to so it's a very exciting time from that point of view, and I think sustainability will follow. Yeah, yeah, I think it has to mm-hmm. because uh, people who put out interesting stuff. It, artists, the content is valued more than ever. I mean, that's one of the things I'm really excited about. Yeah, you know, original content rather than. I mean, radio stations were getting to the point where they were getting computerized. Yeah, you know, until Spotify kind of you know, you know, one upped them, right? Right. Yeah. But uh, you know now. That original content is is really you know well, more and more valued. And the current way that that you put your podcast out onto an RSS feed doesn't allow you that that ownership back, or that your content mm. is not highly valuable because you've put it out there, and now anyone can just sort of take it 
because I've I've found ours in podcast platforms where they took ours, put it into their platform, and then they put their commercials in every fifteen oh, minutes. Wow. Well, I think that's the yeah, more, yeah. the way it's working. <laughs> right? I suppose, yeah. So I think you know one way or another, people kind of need to figure out how to get get to the point where they're able to uh, effectively monetize their audiences in, in a way mm-hmm. that it doesn't make the audience feel bad about it and doesn't you know doesn't involve just strictly mm-hmm. uh, advertising Coca-Cola or something on your podcast, you know, like. But there on the other end, there are people who are getting content out there or are uh, getting music out there who never would have been able to do it Absolutely. 20 years ago. Yeah. And uh, it's just figuring out how to compete with them. There's just a lot more competition too now. So. Yeah. yeah, but the access to things mm-hmm. that are new and different and yeah, not not scripted, not commercialized by some mm-hmm. big entity like that is it it is exciting mm-hmm. so, yeah definitely yeah new new world well we've we've done it i mean not that it was something that we had to like get through we actually uh laughed quite a bit here at the end of this so it, was, <laughs> it was nice to have uh to lighten it up a little bit but um hopefully uh the first of of a couple of we have repeat guests sometimes so we'll get sure. you back in to talk about something else but we'd also yeah. have you send people our way sometimes so that'd be fun um yeah just to uh go back over it if there's anything you know so uh if you want to pitch your company a little bit again at the end here in case people want to find it where where's your website and stuff like that so it's newpublica.com we actually don't do a lot of marketing um we've been you know blessed that um a lot of people actually uh, reach us great uh find out about us um but yeah, newpublica.com, there's all the information about what we do. And if you especially want to reach uh, audiences that traditionally you haven't uh, been very effective at reaching, there's a lot of ways if you Google New Publica or my name that you can find us. That's the thing that I sort of laugh about when I ask people to give their website and stuff. It's like, it's like finding your way somewhere, like just look it mm-hmm. up. <laughs> just punch it into google, google it or yeah. google on twitter or on facebook yeah. you're gonna find it yeah. you can yeah. find it you go, you can find us too many ways yeah <laughs> that's yeah. the such easy you don't part have of to this. look hard <laughs> it'll be there ah whatever <laughs> uh nope that is the way it is all right you two well uh thanks a lot alberto for coming in yeah yeah and, thanks for having me yeah, it's been fun. fun yeah kate yeah thanks for having me too well yeah well, you'll you'll be in again yeah so so be a more regular thing. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care. Take care.